everyone. This is Emery Miller. I'm Nevaeh Knowles. I'm Chloe Zuzan. And Bonnie Romick. We have been reading the first section of Between Shades of Grey called Thieves and Prostitutes. This is wrong. Okay, so first off, we'll be telling you a little bit about the book we've been reading. It is called Between Shades of Grey, and it was written by Ruta Sepetis. She is from Detroit, Michigan. She was born November 19, 1967. Her husband was Michael Smith. They had no kids. Father was Lithuanian, a refugee, and mom was an American. She wrote this novel because she intended it to be a young adult in genre. Um, she met many survivors that were teenagers at the time of deportations and had a great will to live over the adults. Alright, so first off, we're just going to jump in with our initial thoughts of the book. Me, myself, I am completely captivated by the book, and it was really hard to stop at part two. But we did agree to stop at part two, so I did stop, sadly. <laughs> I think it's crazy how close Stalin and Hitler's ideas were. Um, I hope the book was intense, the first part. I didn't really think I was going to be reading about a baby being taken from a hospital and the mother going crazy pretty much and a guy hurting himself and just a lot was like there's so much violence and I wasn't really prepared for it. I think the book was very sad going off when Nevaeh said that there were so many things happening between the characters and being hurt and just getting their homes taken away from them. It was very shocking. And like Chloe said, she said, um, you know, Hitler and Stalin's ideas were really close. And like the main difference I can find is Hitler was just like, these people don't matter enough. We're going to kill them. And the, like for Lithuanians and everyone else, refugees that got taken by Stalin, they had to live through it. They didn't get the, like, I don't know, the easy way out. But also they had to live through torture and a whole bunch of awful things instead of just dying. Um, and a scene that really stuck with me was when Ona's baby was thrown out because it was dead. Like, I didn't, I don't know. I don't know how the, the lady that was sitting in the corner could just take her and throw her out. I understand, like, it had been rotting and everything, but it's just really tragic and quick. I think it's crazy how she kept it for three days. <laughs> the book shows definitely yeah. how, like, these people are still trying to have their humanity, but the officers and soldiers are taking that away from them and forcing them to become less human and treating them like animals. Yeah, they're definitely trying to take their humanity away by dehumanizing them and putting them in animal carts. Like Jonas, her little brother, he wasn't old enough to understand, but he's like, why are they putting us in animal carts? Why are they feeding us animal feed? Well, the reason is because they're trying to make you feel less than human. And make since you're less than human, then you're less than them. And so they obviously are going to be higher than you and can tell you what to do. And another uh, good image from the book was when Jonas's mom had to trade a watch for him. That's all his life was worth was a watch. And that shows how much, again, how much they dehumanize them. Yeah, and like Andreas, too, whenever they got into the train car, he, their mom had told him how they tried taking Andreas, and he said that, you know, I gave him everything I could until they said, yeah, you can have him back. And it's just like nuts, like 
today in human life, I don't know what it's worth if someone were to come in here. But back then, it was just a gold watch. Rehearing all of it that, like, we read from the book, like, it's just crazy to think, like, what if we were living in it and, like, we had to go through it and, like, trying to feel how they felt when they were going through all of this. Like, Ona, when she got her baby taken, like, I don't think I would ever come back from that. That'd be so awful. Yeah, and we see, like, she doesn't go come back. She, as soon as her baby is dead, she's grieving. But then again, she has this, like, mad hunger to get back at them. And she just is off the wall. She doesn't think about her own life. She's just like, they took my baby. I'm probably not going to live through this. And I'm really upset. And so she lets that out on the guards. And, of course, we all know they killed her. And another thing is, like, Lena couldn't take her eyes off of it. She just wanted to watch. She wanted to see the blood pool out of her, know that she was really dead, try to analyze what just happened in front of her eyes. And Andreas showed her comfort. He was just like, no, no, you know, look at me. Stop looking at Ona. It's not going to help you in any way. It's going to hurt. Going off what Bonnie was saying about um, Andreas comforting her, I think that starts, starts off our predictions for the rest of the book. Yeah. I am so excited, excited for Andreas. Like, he is so, I don't know, gentle, <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh, Bonnie. I'm in love. <laughs> Okay, how do you how do you say the little girl's name? Lena. Lena. I'm excited to see what like she does in the book. Speaking about predictions, mine so far is I think they're going to start working and paying rent, and I also think Andreas and Lena might get together. I'm not sure, but I have a feeling. So, <laughs> stay tuned. I think the NKVD are gonna take them away and then take away the little very little freedom that they had. I think Lena is going to survive it all and just come out stronger. So, I think Lena will be asked to work for the NKVD because she has artistic talents and stuff like that, so I think they'll try to use that as a resource. I also think she might get caught because like, um, she's trying to leave, like Emory said, she's a gifted artist. She's trying to leave art for her father and whenever he said you know I'll be all you I'll be able to tell your art anywhere like leave tracks for me it's sort of really cute that like even in with all the things that's happening around them all the stress and anxiety and fear for their life that he's still going to search for his family and he'll do so because he recognizes his daughter's work even like, if she doesn't sign it, anything. He can just look at it and know it's hers. Although I thought a very difficult thing, though, was when she gave off the handkerchief or napkin or whatever she was writing on, and she gave it to this random man, this kind of confused me. I get that she was trying to hand it off and get it to her father, but that could be a very unsuccessful way to do that. Yeah, and I think a little part of the writing on a handkerchief is because everyone needs a handkerchief and they'll just keep passing it. I mean, if she just wrote it on a piece of paper or her sketch pad that she had, it could easily get, you know, just demolished or destructed or whatever. But with a handkerchief, 
everyone uses it to wipe the nose and everything, and it does get passed around. They're gonna get corona. Yeah, we'll take <laughs> Thankfully, corona wasn't a thing back in the day. This ultimate death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the black, the black, the black tiger butterfly, or the tiger whatever it's called. Or because the NKVD was killing them. Yeah, that's oh, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be a possibility. Okay, Andreas and Lena. What do we think about their relationship? Funny. I'm in love. I already told you guys that, but honestly, I love how Andreas like takes Jonas under his wing, quote unquote, <laughs> because like it does show that um, he cares about Lena and his mother by taking him under his wing and helping him out. And like something that's crazy is a bad habit right now. Like it would be considered a bad habit. But back in the day, smoking was a big thing, and so Andreas started Jonas off on the path of tobacco, <laughs> and I think that's crazy. But his mother was just like, it's all right, Jonas needs this. I think it was a way to give them a distraction from everything that was happening around them, and I think that was a reason why Jonas's mother didn't necessarily stop him from smoking. Sorry, I just lost my thought. Chloe? They used her book to rule the tobacco. Yeah, and I, I like, thought that was crazy because, like, like they gave this gift. <laughs> like, it was, it was a gift from, like, Lena's grandmother. And Jonas was just like, I'm addicted to tobacco. I'm going to use your book to roll up my tobacco so I can smoke it. That's jacked up. Okay, I was going to say something about Lena and um, Andreas being, like, super cute and, like, kind of hope they get married, but, like, that's just not you know. If they live to get married. Hey, they're going to live. They're going to live. Maybe not both of them. Hey, hey. I predicted that Lena is definitely going to live, so. Oh, yeah. You predicted it, so it's going to happen. Yeah, it is going to happen. Did you, do you predict that Andres is going to live, though? Yeah. I predict that they're both going to die. Oh <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I do think... It's a podcast. There you go. They're both dying. <laughs> no. I'm just, like, so taken aback by Andres. And I, like, imagine him with tall, dark, curly hair. Oh, my God. And, like... Bonnie has a man crush now. Yeah, just the way he acts. So, our time is running short. We're going to have to meet back on February 5th. And we'll be talking about maps and snakes. <laughs> <laughs>